this is kind of what we do. You know, we make people think that they have to come under a banner, a uh, culture, a uh, language. We don't give them the permission to say like, hey, follow Yeshua, follow Christ, and let your cultural expression be another expanse in God's kingdom. We got to put the sign. We got to put the banner. And that comes to a lot of cultural things. So that's what I'm saying with permission okay. to be black. It's almost time to start. But before I do, a brief message from some ads that help support the show. Be right back. The color of midnight When tears fall But meteorites And shaded hue Of eyes or flame The color of your name Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Seth. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast. And honestly, I'm a little amped up today as I record this intro for a lot of reasons. And I may actually do an episode specifically on those reasons. But um, we're not there today. Today, I am honored to begin the show by saying thank you to both Chris Bayer and Shelly Riggs for becoming the newest supporters over on Patreon. People like you, all of y'all, are tremendously helpful. You have no idea how. And if you get anything from these shows, consider supporting the show. It's well worth it. I try to make it worth it. And I have plans to make that support even more worthwhile with some special series that are going to be released at least for a while there alone. No other place to get them. There's currently a series there on Oscar Romero that I will link to right here in the show notes, but also right here in the transcripts, which is another thing that because patrons exist, so many humans, I see it on the website, are able to read and share and quote and discuss and partake in the episodes that can't hear. The transcripts are tremendously popular and they're also extremely useful both to create and to reference back later. And those exist because of patrons. So consider doing all of that. Now, A.D. Thomason is a fantastic person, but he does a lot of things. You're going to see a lot of references to different things throughout the episode. And I was ecstatic to have him on the show. I'm still a little upset that he has no respect for Big Boy in the uh, group of Outcast. And you're probably wondering why is Outcast the music group? Why are they even on a podcast about God? And I'm glad that you asked because right now I'm about to roll the tape and we'll see you together. Talk to you in a bit. Like the A.D. Thompson, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. I'm excited that you're here. We did it. We did it. We made it happen. <laughs> um, good, good to be here. Yeah. 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 So there will be many people. I, I was one of these people that when um, when your publisher reached out to me and sent me your book, I was like, I don't know what this is, but the cover is what struck me. I was like, what is this? And then I was like, who is this? And so I kind of went down a rabbit hole. And um, I'm certain that many of the listeners have not done that. And so, like, what, who is our Adam? Like, what, what are the things that make you you? Yeah, uh, I would say a, a diverse uh, exploration of humanity to understand the fullness of God. That's, that's the, the easiest way I can say it. 
born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, in the inner city, um, broken home. A lot of typicals that you would assume of a of a of a black man growing up in the inner city of a Detroit environment. So broken home. Dad leaves the home when I'm 12. Um, six months later, my mom is uh, severely shot five times. She survives barely, but she survives. Mm. We had to go to school the next day. My <laughs> our caretakers told us because we shouldn't put our life on hold because something bad happens. Like this is this is like all checking all the boxes of a, <laughs> of a traumatic movie. Oh man! So at twelve, and then you fast forward. Um, I went down to Savannah College of Art and Design. So art college. So you talking about this inner city hard? Mm. You don't stop and process emotion situations. Now you're going to art college, where everything is everything. You know, like how <laughs> 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 said ninety eight, right? So <laughs> I was like, what? Where am I? What am I doing? You know, like what? <laughs> what is going on? And then I'll add another one in there because it's not in the book. Um, and then at 19, I had the privilege of playing on a pro basketball team in Palestine. Really? So, yeah. So my my viewpoint and appreciation for God's, I would just say creation, is is somewhat like Paul. I would say I've always been struck by Paul's mentality to um, become all things to all people that he might win some. That's the best way I can yeah. sum it up. Do you think it was the trip to Palestine that shifted your views on God? Or would that have happened anyway? I partially do. I, I do think it was the um, trip to Palestine because I just remember distinctly at, at 2000 how uh, propagated my mind was from the media saying this is what Palestinians are. Mm. Throwing rocks, blowing up buses, yeah. things like that. So even when I was going to go, I, I went with a little naivety like, yeah, man, I'm just gonna go you know for the lord you know like uh, <laughs> everybody play basketball like, for the lord right and everybody's like yo man you not nervous at all man you know and i was like nah man you know i, I guess you know it is gonna be what it's gonna be what you know? um what, what did you play like what part of the basketball team like what does basketball look like in palestine bro it is one of the most intense <laughs> environments you'll ever be in like um <laughs> Just think, just think of some like uh, off the radar, crowded. Everybody's there, you know. Everybody's hinging upon each. I mean, they celebrate anything, like really? free throws. So it's dunks. fun. Oh, it's it is electric. Like that's great. It's very electric. Yeah. I didn't even yeah, know they yeah, had teams there. That's fantastic. I didn't. Yeah. No, I like fun. that nugget. I like that. You should have yeah. put that in the book. Um, it, it was in the other one, so I didn't know if I should repeat like my previous one. Um, I didn't read the other one, so okay. Um, yeah, that's great. I got so many more questions about that, but I don't, I'm not going to write. I'm not going to write that because okay, that's good. that's insane. Um, so I actually do have a question. So the book that you wrote is "Permission to Be Black: My Journey with Jay Z and Jesus." Yeah. But for those that haven't read the book yet, um, you should buy the book because we're going to talk about the book and probably going to make more sense if you have the mm. text in front of you. But there seems to be an overwhelming ratio of Lauren Hill over Jay-Z. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm curious how Jay-Z made the cover when Lauren Hill's like the meat. Like, what happened yeah. there? If I'm being sincerely honest, <laughs> it wasn't like a sexy tagline with Lauren Hill. <laughs> you know, that's one. <laughs> really, 
like <laughs> you know my journey with the, the, the lord and lord hill it's just like <laughs> we're like nah and uh, metaphorically i'll be honest with you I listen growing up, I listen most to rap music. Mm-hmm. And so to me, Jay-Z is kind of like this moniker, this ideology. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Now that's fair. So I think yeah. based on some of the references that you have, and I can't remember exactly which ones, I think we're similar in age. So I'm almost 39. And so you, oh, yeah. Went, yeah. And so a lot of, yeah. So I can remember. So rap music is also the music that, I, and it's now also the music that my son listens to. Like wow, he, come on. but it's, it's not the rap on, the radio it's he listens to like propaganda he really oh, likes no. andy minio yes. he likes words played um yes. and he's really enjoying no big deal lately and that's because i fell in love with no big deal and so we just nice. like to play with the rhymes i don't know if you know who any of those people are but yo oh yeah no all of them yeah yeah uh probably no big deal is his favorite but um jay-z for me like i've got that album that starts with it's a hard not life um i forget yeah. what the, it's a blue album it's a bluish yeah. album um yeah, yeah so volume two you talking about him on the the mm-hmm. suit <laughs> yeah on the car, yeah yeah on the car, that yeah. was that was my entry into music when i got my car like this that's the first thing that i bought was that oh that's a good so, that's a good entry yeah and then i realized i had some crappy speakers and so i, I then went on <laughs> i then went on to go you get some subs and some ten i did i bought tenants. i bought a tenant one ten inch sub um and then oh, i realized oh. that it was too much it was too much <laughs> so um I had oh where'd you grow up texas Okay, what yeah. part of Texas? Midland, Texas. Okay, yeah. So you were banging in Midland. Oh, oh like, man, in my little <laughs> single cab truck, it was loud, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. Right, it was fun. Um, yeah, still That's love good. the music. Now I just turned it down because I'm old, and you know, gotcha. I just yeah. it hurts my head. Anyway, so your book, man, I liked it. I liked the stories, but I also like your voice in it. Like I can remember when you're talking about going to that college, the art college, and the first time yeah. like, you'd seen like a naked woman, you're like, yo. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> like so i enjoy the voice in there but i want to dig into some of the concepts of it so you talk yeah. about and i've got some highlights here is it all right adam if i read your book back to you is yeah, that fine yeah, yeah, yeah. so you talk about generational trauma um yeah. and it's weaved throughout the book but for many people i don't think they understand what generational trauma is like outside of like dad was an alcoholic so now i'm an alcoholic gotcha. i think that's what most people mean when they say that or maybe i'm Maybe I'm wrong oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's but the most. What is that, and like, how does that impact both your faith and your life? Like, what is that, and how is it passed down? Yeah, so I would say generational trauma. I would, I would say, are the, the strongholds, and they don't have to necessarily be sin. So that's why I love that you're bringing that up. There are the strongholds and pain points that are passed down from generation to generation. So, um, an easy one in America could be with African-Americans, I tell the story of a, of a woman who is pregnant with said child and imagine her being pregnant and then the um, slave raiding happens, right? So all this stress that's going down in her body and I build it out and I ask people a question I, and I use this at a, at a Yale discussion. I just say, so do y'all think when she's going through all that stress by the time the child is born, like running for her life, slave dungeons, middle passage, auction blocks, seeing her husband get sold off or traded. Do you feel like the child didn't feel any of that stress? And a hundred percent of people say, like, no, the child felt it. And I go, exactly. That's how generational pain points are passed down at the cellular level. Right. And that was explained to me by a counselor in a, another book, Body Keeps the Score. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't realize 
even if you're not black, if you could just ask your mom, hey, mom, what was going on when you were pregnant with me? That'll show you what is passed down at the cellular chemical uh, level. And so when you have a pe people group that's been terrorized and you put the pregnancies, there's terrorized, 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 you know, slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, sharecropper, all this stuff. <laughs> people are like, why, why is this people group so like, you know, hypertension, mm -hmm. high stress, blood pressure. It's because those things has hap happened to the people and they haven't been able to process them. Since reading about it in your book, like, I'll be honest, like I really struggle with that concept because yeah. I like to think that I'm something fresh, something yep. new, like mm -hmm. that didn't totally. define me. Like my family yeah. doesn't define me. I'm in control of this. Yeah. Um, but do you think that that's possible? Like, I don't know. Like, do you get that tension where I'm like, no, that's not, like, that's not the only thing I'm worried about for generational trauma, like is cancer. Like, yeah. you know, when I look at like my dad passed away of cancer recently mm -hmm. at 58, you wow. know, and you know, and then just different things. So like, is that like a valid, like, I guess I'm asking you, like, is that, is that a fair critique of that? Like, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a fair, fair critique. It's a fair dialogue. Um, I would just, you know, tell people always consider, you know, cancer, again, it's a cellular thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, cancer, uh, leukemia, sickle cell anemia, like all these things that we, that are uh, diseases and ailments, they're still cellular things that are passed down. Mm -hmm. And so when I say um, generational trauma and pain points, emotional pain points, emotion is just another um, cellular thing that is part of our body, right? Like I was looking up recently that the, the definition of psychosis and it's interesting. It's very uh, intriguing. The definition of psychosis, it, it literally says a person who feels and experiences a reality, but it's not based in real life, but in their body, they say in their body, and in their mind, it's a hundred percent real. And it mm. could be so real that it actually changes the cellular structure. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, and that's what's, is, 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 is so wild. Right. So even if you have a, um, you know, I had a friend in the lighthearted and I had a friend who we were playing basketball. He was so nervous that he took a crap in his pants. Like his, his body just couldn't <laughs> hold this food. Like poor game. Like, and this is a basketball game. <laughs> you see, in the saying? middle and of the game? Uh, we we're about to play. We we're about to play this big game. Boy, we, we let him have it. But that's just a fear of motion. Oh. <laughs> uh. That's awful. I'm, uh, I feel bad for, I don't feel bad. I feel bad yeah. for laughing, but I don't, I don't feel bad. <laughs> I don't, we still mess with him to the day he laughs. <laughs> um, oh, I realized what it was. The reason that I realized that we were similar age. So the word cheat code has a different word now than the way that we would have yeah. used it. But I can remember cheat codes, like that's a Nintendo thing. And maybe that like game genie, like you would plug it like, I, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Like yes. that's. Yeah. In my mind, because that's where it's Game Genie and Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I realized I'm like, oh, the way that he's using this word, it, there's only mm -hmm. a, there's only a handful of years that people like my son would not use it that way. He would use it in a different <laughs> way. Um, yeah. yeah. How would he use? It? Uh, he's 11. Yeah, he'd be 12 here in a few ah, okay. months. So yeah, I mean, it would it would have meaning and it would be similar, but not the way that you use it. So yeah. what is that? I want to dive into those because you've got cheat codes, tens and dozens of them. Like 
mixed yeah. throughout. So why are, why that metaphor as we look at tackling and redefining blackness, I think is the word you use, and interweave yeah. that throughout the book. Like, why why choose that metaphor? Yeah, that's good. Uh, like like you said, my generation, you know, for us, video games was, you know, Nintendo, Nintendo 64. But the true cheat codes first came with Nintendo before the game, Jenny, Contra, you know, mm-hmm. you get 30 man. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> you know, I still remember the cheat code to get the Mike Tyson on Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh, wait, there's a cheat code uh, for that? Yeah, 007-373-5963. Put it in. Boom, I, boom. Hey, I've got it. So two years ago for Christmas, my wife got me like the Nintendo redid the Nintendo, you oh, know, yeah. and it's like a couple hundred bucks and it came like 50 games that Nintendo owns the okay. rights to. Tyson's yeah. on it. I'm doing that. Like I'm leaving Come from on, here dude. and I'm going up there. And, <laughs> and text me. And, and I'm going to beat him. Because um, right hey. now... Right now, I'm stuck on a guy that I always struggle with, that Kong guy, like the big fat dude with the, with the, with the, anyway, it doesn't matter. We're way off. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, cheat code, like, yeah. why does so that work? That me- yeah. Yeah, that metaphor. Um, I, I, I thought in general, people feel like their narrative, their journey, it's an approach to life, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're playing video games or playing a board game, cards or whatever, you know, the mind can always think like, yo, is there a, is there a way to get ahead? Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, the metaphor, I believe, is that black folks never had these approaches, these lenses, these uh, ideologies to kind of get ahead when it comes to their humanity, their emotions. Uh, and so when I when I started going to counseling, it it was it, the dude was so wise. I was like, "Yo, I'm cheating!" Like it really felt like I was cheating. It's like, I would my body, my literally my body would feel guilty. I was like, "Man, why, how am I able to have this information?" And 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 those who I grew up with, and you start thinking of my 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 parents' generation, and then my grandparents, and they would have killed for this. Like I remember interviewing my granddad uh, about the. Uh, Great Depression. Yeah. And I just remember it was it was such a hard time. And and he and I was the first person in his life to ask him this phrase, like, and how did you feel? He looked at me like, what do you feel? What what is that? What do you what are you talking about? How did you feel? Yeah. You know? So that's that's why I kind of use that metaphor. Yeah. Is there a, a longing in this for you to get on Craigslist and find a regal just to feel that hole <laughs> in your heart, like just to buy it, even if it doesn't run. Yes. And I, and it's funny. Uh, I, I look on Craigslist. <laughs> I looked when I was in Phoenix. I look now being in Atlanta where I look. That's one of those. You didn't find one? Like, not one that I think is worth buying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could read you. Like I can hear you in there. Like when you're talking to your dad, like, oh, and that's my, that was my car. Like that was my, that was my car, like like yeah, that. I yeah. love the regal, y'all. Y'all don't understand. <laughs> um, so cheat code number ten. So there's a part in here that I'd like you to rip apart a bit. So you say, okay. um, Don Furious told me the work to ignore and not name the pain is actually harder to do than dealing with the pain of and becoming whole. 
Uh, and then what I highlighted is you were comfortable with the routine of pain. And so that's what I'd really like you to rip apart, like being comfortable with the routine of pain. But you're convinced through the code of blackness that blocking out the pain is freedom and a sign of strength. And you'll never be free until your entire story can be a communication of hope. So I'd like mm -hmm. you if you could like just ripping up, ripping apart a bit, you know, being comfortable with the routine of pain. And then what is a communication of hope? Yeah, so foundationally, we go back to 12 years old. Being comfortable with the routine of pain is saying, man, that, you know, that didn't hurt that pops left or that didn't hurt that my mom was shot five times. <laughs> like you just stuff it down or that didn't hurt that they, you know, that they're said bully, you know, trying to fight me for no reason. You just push it down and you ignore it because in that environment is it's so suffocating and it's so in front of you. The, the ideology is to communicate that to anybody, to show that to anybody. It's like blood to piranhas in the water, mm. right? So you manage it. It's kind of like when somebody sprains an ankle, they're like, oh, I can manage this pain. And then that management becomes normal. The limp becomes normal. But Don Furious, he, he was the, actually the first one that, that explained to me the, the delineation between two different types of pain. So the pain of say, hey, saying that hurt, dealing with all these things, like, you know, what if you gotta have conversations with dad? How did you feel when your mom got shot? Like dealing, cause it's gonna be painful once you stuff it down and you gotta, re, you know, readdress it. But he said that will eventually subside and lead to healing, right? But the other pain of when people intentionally offend you or wound you, to just because they're malicious, like, you know, I'm just going to say something, whatever, nasty to you or harm you physically. He said, though, that's a different type of pain, mm. right? That's a pain of a motive and malice. And because the body responds to both pains the same, we think they're the same, right? So we think the malicious one is the same as I was hurt because this situation happen in my life right because if you, if you say if i give you some personal information and you say it to me i'm like oh that hurts mm -hmm. right and it's the same way to where if you and i are close and you, you know you said your father passed a cancer and you tell me hey my dad passed my body's gonna go like, oh mm -hmm. that hurts so we we think that they're the same and that's why we disregard them if you if you're dealing with trauma you disregard both the same but he said both don't have the same out outcome if you deal with them, mm. you know? Yeah. And that, and that was, you know, I would say that's, that was, that was blackness, you know, in a sense that still is blackness of, nah, I ain't, I ain't, I'm not talking about that pain. Well, I'm going to talk about it with you or some other people. Why? So they can use it against me. Nah, that's not what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. push that down. And, and you don't have a, the, the emotional muscle to not lose yourself when dealing with it, you know, mm. it's like, well, if I start crying, when is this going to stop? I don't know when it's going to stop. When is this road in? You know, like you, it's just so unfamiliar. Yeah. So you rather just, you know, dead in the reality and, and living is this, I say this middle ground, it's never high, it's never low. It's just endurance. Here comes ad content. Like 
Well, I know being raised, I was taught, you know, by my dad. You know, we don't, what's the purpose of crying? Like, it's not going to fix anything. Like, just deal with it. And so, like, to today, like, my wife will tease me. She's like, you know, you didn't cry when I walked down the aisle. You didn't cry when our kids were born. Like, I really do lack empathy. Like, the words that she's used before are, I'm going to need you to have some empathy here. Like, yeah, like because yeah. I, I, though I can't relate to, you know, the racial trauma, but I buried all these other things as well. And so I often don't feel things. Now, that's yeah. helpful sometimes. Like, at yeah. work, especially when like, I'm a manager at a bank. And so sometimes when things fall apart, like, everybody looks at me. And I'm the only one not freaking out. Yep. Until <laughs> until I get in the car and then I you know, yeah. I, I lose my hair. That's what I'm blaming it on. I'm blaming <laughs> I'm blaming all that repressed Something emotion. <laughs> That's what I'm blaming it on. Um but I mean my brother's the same way. Really? Yeah, and like I tried to last year I made a commitment to try to be more emotional. Like mm. try to be emotive and wrestle yeah. with my emotions. Yeah. Well, yeah. what are you on the Enneagram? I'm not an Enneagram nut, but hey, everybody's talking about it. So. Five? Oh, you're five. Okay. What are you? A one. I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> one is, a, what do they say? They say it's like the perfectionist. Isn't the one like the person that's like, I see something wrong. I'm going to go do it. Yeah, I'm like, going to do it. I'm going to fix it. Yep. And then, yeah. um, you know, they have the wing. So I'm a wing two, which, a, which is a helper. And then a wing nine, which is a peacemaker. So, yeah. I um I don't know a lot about the Enneagram. My pastor's great with it. He's like certified in it and whatnot. But oh, wow. um, certified. Like, like as a five, I just want all the knowledge. Like if I could turn the computer around, like I, I've got five versions of the Bible here. Wow. And with different commentary. like, And I got yes. books on Islam there, Buddhism there. Got my atheist books here my mystical yeah. books, like, you know, like I just have to read all the things. Um, That's good. The goal is do something with all of that. Don't just hoard it, <laughs> okay. you know, but anyway. So I want to go back to the Lauren Hill Jay-Z thing because I can't let this go. Yeah. Also, you yeah. said that Andre 3000 is probably the best MC out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm, mm -hmm. you're, you're just wrong, Adam. Um, <laughs> it, it, oh, sure. So you got it. Oh, so it's the other part of Outkast. So I honestly think Big Boy is much better than Big Andre. Boy. Oh, man. Like but they rap differently. Like they, they do rap differently. It's, it's different. Like he's not as fun. <laughs> he's not as fun. He, I love Big Boy. Yeah, he's just better. Um, <laughs> yes, I love somebody that loves Big Boy over Andre. Yeah, I mean, I like Andre as a as an actor. Like, I, I like uh -huh. him as personality. I like his energy and his spunk and how enthusiastic he is. But yeah. that's not me. I can't relate okay. to that very well. Um, wow, wow, I don't know. Wow, yeah. It's nice, okay. You nice, can be nice. wrong. I mean, it's in your book, <laughs> so you can be right in your book, but you can overall be wrong. Well, most people <laughs> will put Andre in the top five. They're not going to put Big Boy in the top five. You know, but most people listen they to rap music too. on the radio. And, you know... <laughs> This would be I love this would be a great discussion, but you know, we talk about the book. But I love, I would love to talk about this. Can I be honest? So I want to talk about the chapter A Little Mold Won't Kill You and kind of like yeah. the themes of that chapter. But I also yeah. did not know about this YouTube video that you reference at the beginning that says what you need to know about cutting off the molded part of the bread. And and I'm yes. just gonna say I also cut off the mold of the bread because I grew up quite poor. And you just cut it off and eat the rest. Like we don't, yeah. we're not wasting food. Matter of fact, if you're really hungry, just shave the top. Come don't on. cut off the whole thing. Just shave it. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Yes. Um, I didn't you, know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's that's what you do. Like, this is money. It's not bread. This, this is, is money. 
Um, so what are you getting at in that chapter and kind of not only does it, how does it relate to blackness, but kind of how does it relate to what we're all going on as we begin a new politic, a new, a new church with struggling with where its power is in America and, and by, by default the world, like what are you getting at with this chapter? Yeah. So I talk about a video I saw where they explain mode and really what you see has tentacles below the surface when it comes to mold. As they use the phrase, today years old, when I saw that video, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so in that chapter, I'm just really trying to explain seeing below the surface. So for me, if somebody, um, if, you, if you're a counselor and maybe you got your degree and you're my friend and you live with me, you may see these outbursts you would have you would have been able to see below the surface. You would have saw the outburst of surface level mode, but you would say Adam's hurt. Mm. He's he's dealing with some stuff that he has to process, right? And then on the flip side, if you know a person gets healed and they see outbursts in someone else, well, let me flip it. If a person is not healed and they see good acts in someone else they may read negativity below the surface into someone because of their wounds, right? Mm-hmm. So there are times in marriage, my wife would do something. And because I haven't you know, processed certain things with my mom and, you know, things that I grew up seeing and, and doing, she'll do something. And I go, oh, you trying to get at me. That okay? That's that's what we doing right now. You, you you trying to start this? She's like, get at you, and she didn't grow up like I grew up. She's like, yeah. what does that even mean? Yeah. What do you mean I'm trying to get at you? Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah. now you playing that game. That's what we doing. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just and she's just confused. She's like, yo, those. bro, we are not in the inner city of Detroit. Uh, okay, so now you're gonna bring up Detroit. That's what we doing. You know, so <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Every, everything is you're really below the surface in a negative way, yeah. right? And, and then on the flip side, you can have eyes to see the below the surface. So therefore, a lot of I would say Don would say, Adam, you got some stuff going on, and in 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 empathy and understanding, I know what you're doing on the surface isn't indicative of where you are below the surface. Hmm. You know, and so kind of that that illustration blew my mind. You yeah. know, was here's what's funny. It, I, I didn't put this one in the book. I thought about doing it, bro. We used to, did y'all used to boil milk when it got old, skim off the, yeah. the yeah. top and then reuse it? Yeah. Yeah. You also, yeah. Cause you just repasteurize it. You also can buy <laughs> gallons of milk when they're on sale, like next yeah. to next to last day. Like, you know, it's like, Hey, instead of two bucks a gallon, we're at 80 cents a gallon or whatever. Yeah. You pour out a cup and a half and you can freeze it. Cause if you don't pour out the cup and a half, you break the whole gallon, but you pour out a cup and a half, you can freeze that. And then you got two days to use it when you unfreeze it. That stuff can sit in the freezer we for like a year. That too. <laughs> so. I thought we only eat frozen milk. We froze milk too. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, I uh, I was having this conversation with with a friend of mine the other day, and I was, I was recommending a show to him. He's like, "Man, that's not my kind of show." I was like, "It's not a show about this that, or the other. It's just a show about being really poor." Yeah, that's all it is. And he's like, "What show?" It's called Shameless. Um, okay, it's not. It's probably not appropriate for most people. Like it's, okay. it is vulgar and hilarious and horrible. Okay. And I don't know how to explain it well. Um, yeah. It's one of those shows that both my wife and I are like, why are we watching this? 
You want to watch another one? I do want to watch another one. And then like there'll be times where she'll bust out laughing at something. I'm like, why are you? That's not funny. She's like, that's hilarious. And then there'll be other times where I'll bust out laughing. She's like, I'm glad that I'm glad that you could laugh at that because that's that's horrible. I'm like, I know. I don't know. It's maybe it's therapeutic. Maybe that's what we needed for last year. So with the concept of like tentacles stretching down into things. So upon realizing that, and if the bread is either the church or our country. Yeah. And we can't cut off the mold. We can't really yeah. burn it down either. We can't recook mm. it. What's kind of something that you think that we should, upon realizing the mold, like how do we address this going forward? Because these last four years, really these last centuries, but especially for it, what it feels like, just from what you see, what you read is, everybody realizes the mold now. There's no way to not realize the metaphorical mold. So what do we do with that moving forward maybe? Man, I, I think what I'm about to say, I only think it the people of God can do it in sobriety. We got to humanize each other and see below the surface. So I, I practice jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu, add that to another, you know, thing that I do. And one of the things they teach you is your first move is not the move you're trying to accomplish. You got to see two, three steps ahead. Right. And the thing I've seen in this schism is we're always treating each other off of what we see. And I personally believe that that is the fundamental thing that we do wrong that Yeshua Jesus did not do. He was always trying to see beyond what was in front of him. And the reason I think that's so wise is you humanize the other person when you ask the question, okay, if you don't agree with voting for Trump or voting for Biden or, you know, this QAnon or whatever, okay, on the surface, nobody agrees. The goal isn't to agree. I think that's naive to think we're going to agree, right? The goal is not to agree. The goal is how do we journey together and appreciate each other's Imago day? Mm. But what happens is we believe the narratives that you're so non-human or there's no way you could be human if you say these things, right? And the church specifically shouldn't take that stance, but they are. It's like, oh man, it's sinful as Satan. And I go, okay, well, look at what Christ said. He says, pray for your enemies, bless them. Oh, look at what Paul says. He says, well, correct your opponents with gentleness. And Second uh, Timothy, Timothy 2, 2, uh, 21 and following, correct them with gentleness, knowing that your enemy is ensnared to do the will of Satan. So even if I'm your worst enemy, he's saying, be gentle and pray that God may perhaps grant them repentance because they have been ensnared to do the will of the enemy. So yeah. I'm looking around, I go, nobody's seeing beyond the surface, yeah. right? And and nobody is really in the scriptures. I mean, we got more what Paul says in the last days, people will be led astray, entertaining uh, doctrine of demons. Like this is in the Bible, like doctrine of demons, right? Yeah. And so if, if, you, if you have eyes to see this soberly, you're sitting back and you're going, I know that's not your ideal talking. Something's going on there. How can I lean into that? And that's what, to me, is, is, is very impressive about Jesus. And he discipled that. So it wasn't like, yo, Jesus is Superman. He goes, I'm showing you how to treat people. <laughs> and yeah. now when I leave, you do the same thing. Yeah. I want to go back. So what do you mean when you say permission to be black? Because the question I'm about to ask needs that context. So what does yeah. that mean? Like, what are you saying there? 
Yeah, in a simple sense, the permission to process my humanity without shame. Okay. Uh, the permission to uh, express, I would say, my God-given cultural expression without shame, assimilation, or castration. So say, for instance, in general, uh, I've been fortunate to travel to a lot of places, some for basketball, some what we call old school missions and trips and stuff like this. I remember we were in Northern Ghana <laughs> and we're the phrase we're in the middle of nowhere makes this place looks like I, the remotest place I've ever seen. Like I've, I've never been to a place mm. to where I go. If they wanted to do something to me, they could. Nobody they would know. not get caught. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would ever know. That's how far north and out of touch from society we were in, in northern Ghana. So what I'm about to say to you is like, what? So we're just going on this uncharted, bumpy, dusty, rickety road. You know, it's like a scene off of Ace Ventura when nature calls. And <laughs> when you say that, all I can see is that hippo. That's all I can see. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'm Which with you. Um, and so we're we're riding on this rickety, dusty road, and literally out of nowhere, I see this sign. You know, Northern Ghana Baptist Church, blah blah blah. And I just, I, it was just interesting to me. I go, was the Baptist sign needed in, in the, the middle place? of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> did it have a spot for the words, the way that like the they do, you know, burn and repent? Or did it have a spot for that, the way that we do here? It did. I would have cried if they had that. I would have cried if they had that. So I just... <laughs> I remember yeah. thinking like, come on, y'all. Y'all know this side ain't doing nothing for nobody. And that's not even the first language that they speak in Northern Ghana, right? Mm. And so I just remember, <laughs> I remember thinking like, yo, this is kind of what we do. You know, we make people think that they have to come under a banner, a uh, culture, a uh, language, we don't give them the permission to say like, hey, follow Yeshua, follow Christ and let your cultural expression be another expanse in God's kingdom. We got to put the sign. We got to put the banner. And that comes a lot of cultural things. So that's what I'm saying with permission okay. to be black. Yeah. There's a part in here in the conquering line where yeah. there's a subsection called wrapped in minority skin. And yeah. so you say, without teaching an entire class on the subject, I'll just say that there's one question and three things that make this passage the greatest reality about Yeshua. Um, yeah. And you say, first, he, you know, he impoverished himself. And then you say, Yeshua wrapped himself in Jewish skin, and the Romans yeah. picked up where the Greeks left off, oppressing and yeah. disdaining the Jews. He did not yeah. choose the majority skin, but that of the subjected minority. Not only did he impoverish himself in brown Jewish skin, he also chose the least regarded region as his home, Nazareth. Like that was powerful. Like I'd never, like I don't think Jesus is white. Um, yeah. And I'm aware that that, you know, a lot of people say that, but that's just ridiculous. Like nobody from the Middle East is white. That's, you just have lost, right. you just lost your mind if you think that that's the, that's the <laughs> truth. But um, being that I'm not a minority, I think yeah. I sometimes don't know how to relate to that like i can relate to compassion and love yeah. and grace and mm -hmm. mercy and the other things but that was so powerful for me so why why is that important that 
people of faith realize that, that he impoverished himself, wrapped himself in, in a different skin, one that overtly gave him no power. And the reason I think that's important is so much of what I think is going on wrong in our country is just like Christian nationalism, which is why mm. I honestly had some issues with the inauguration. Like Garth mm. Brooks should not be singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> That's Christian nationalism. Yeah. And some of the prayers that were done, I was fine with the prayer. Still Christian yeah. nationalism, mm. which is mm. the opposite side of the same coin that we were angry at for four years. Yeah. You know what not I mean? Either, yeah. So And not surprised. So in my head, I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> now that 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 poet that is she should they should have just ended it at that yes. there should have been no reason to do anything else just get yeah. on about your motorcade and go do your things like <laughs> right. that was she powerful was, she was preaching yeah. so yeah. um yeah so the concept of of minority skin and wrapping himself yeah. in things that aren't powerful like why is that important that we remember that yeah it's good well i, I think it's a lot flowing in my mind let me say this in my experience, cause I, I, I worked at, you know, a ton of churches, white worked at a big church in Texas. Mm. And so I, I have 17 years of experience and I've never heard one sermon on what I'm about to talk about, <clears throat> even, even from the quote unquote black side. That is, is very uh, poignant because Yeshua, Jesus lived, 33, 36 years, depending on who you're talking to, years on this earth, but we focus on the last seven weeks. People may talk about the ministry, but they focus on the passion week, right? Mm -hmm. Death, burial, resurrection. That's what we always talk about. We talk about the garden. Uh, we talk about not my will, let yours be done. They'll throw in the, <laughs> the Beatitudes, feed of the 5,000 in the wilderness. But it always comes back to, but you got to talk about the, the yeah. gospel and sins and resurrection, right? And you miss literally 30 plus years of what did it mean for him to live in skin and experience subjection? Like, we don't like your kind. Like, like, how did he deal with those emotions, those human emotions? Mary was a widow. Um, how did how how did he deal being the, the oldest? Right, Mary had this vision from uh, the, or this appearance from the angel, but we don't see anything talked about that until he's baptized, you know, and the spirit comes down. So, so what is that human element? when it comes to that. And so just sitting back and I'm, and, I, and I'm thinking it's very important because it allows, I'll say it allows people to understand that he understands the human day to day. I got to get up again. I got to face this again. When I go out the door, I'm not from this famous city, the place where he grew up, branch town, which, which is called in, in the uh, Hebraic commentaries. They said it, Max being liberal, they have 500 people in the population. So mm -hmm. they didn't have a major role, right? So we're talking about things like that. And so as a, as a minority, and I would say other minorities across the world, if, if you land that on them, they go, oh, he, he has suffered in all respects, but we make suffered in all respects. Again, the passion week, when it's really tough and I want to sweat drops of blood, <laughs> that's yeah. what we make this suffer. But 
we don't make it day-to-day forgotten about, day-to-day oppressed, right? The tax collectors, hey, we want to take the Jews' money, we're going to tax their wealth and put it into Rome. There's literally an attack on this people group. We don't like them. So it's those things that aren't that aren't preaching. And so what you have is an anemic savior. You don't have a savior who understands both the human struggle and the spiritual sin struggle. We only default to the sin struggle. Hmm. And, and, it, and it doesn't give people a potent savior. And every time I start like talking about these things, they're like, man, who is this Jesus? Then they go back and they go, oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, I like that. Um, and I will agree with that. Oh, because that happens all the time. Like, yeah. all the time. So I've started doing, um, I listened to a different podcast called The Bible Project, and they did something where he's like, you know, he's like, just go through the Old Testament and highlight this word everywhere. He's like, and yeah. know that it has two equally valid translations. And like, one of them is this, and one of them is tree. And he's like, humans <laughs> are like metaphors for trees often, like, like which is why the vine matters even more. Like, you can just loop yeah. it all. And I was like, and so I went through and I did, I'm like, these are, this is even more powerful. Like when you stretch that metaphor and then you scale it up to Jesus who obviously knew the Bible, you know, um, it it just makes it even more powerful. So uh, just last question and I'm gonna let you get back to your woods walking or whatever it is that you were gonna (laughs) do out there. I got a compound bow. I just gonna shoot some arrows. Another thing. (laughs) Just shoot things. (laughs) Um, So when you say, you know, for you, Adam, um, when I say God or the divine or whatever that is, yeah. What is that when you try to wrap words around it? Yeah, the divine. I would say definitely Adonai comes to mind, the majestic one, uh, Hashem, the Hebraic, uh, Messianic Hebraic approach will say Hashem, the name. He's so holy, you just say the name. Um, I think of God the Father, you know, his love and and worthy to be honored and gloried you know philippians 2 christ did all these things to the glory of god the father we we miss that um i think of sacrifice in yeshua and then i think of the wisdom and comfort that comes from uh the holy spirit and so when i when i think of this divine is it's more of trying to communicate to humanity that you can come to me in ways that we miss often, right? And so I think the, the you know, with Josephus, I love Josephus because, you know, he was, this, he was this Maccabee zealot that sold himself out to Rome. And, and you know, for y'all, the Maccabees were a sect or, you know, zealots that they believed in, the kingdom, but they were very zealous, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and, and the Maccabean revolt, John 10, they call it Hanukkah, but Yeshua celebrates Hanukkah, the Maccabean revolt. The reason I say that is so when Josephus, he was this zealot and then he sells himself out to Rome. He always talks about the literalness of Jesus and his disciples. So for me as a historian who is like, yo, I rejected that to save myself. I'm not going to discredit the fact that this was a real person and yeah. he had real disciples. That's huge for me. Why do I say that? Because this man that they would call Jesus said he was sent from the divine as a tangible illustration for humanity. So uh, um, to land a plane, I always think the divine is trying to 
make themselves or himself tangible for humanity to grasp them. I don't think the divine is disconnected or, you know, deistic, like, hey, I'm just going to create this thing and y'all figure it out. Um, Mm. Or agnostic where, you know, he's there, but you don't know, we don't know. For my, my understanding of divinity, he's always trying to make himself tangible. Where do you want people to go? So they're going to buy the book everywhere that you can buy books. Um, but where do you want people like to go to kind of listen to what you do? Like you've got some fantastic, like there's a picture, like there's a video of you walking in the desert saying some really powerful things. Like where do you want people to go? Yeah. Um, I would say I am redrev.com. So I am redrev.com. R-E-D-R-E-V is in victory. So their permission to be black.com. Mm-hmm. That's where the book and a lot of assets are. And then if, you know, when all else fails, Amazon, you just <laughs> look up my name and the book's there. <laughs> and it's there. Perfect. Uh, Adam, I've enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoy laughing. These are always the fun ones where I laugh. So some of that don't always laugh. So I, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, it's good, man. We got to we gotta talk about that rap, you know. Hey, uh, listen, listen. I mean, my wife would say, you're not going to change my mind, and we can have a heated agreement. Um, <laughs> a heated agreement. So. No, it's just, I was just curious. Like, when somebody loves rap like I do, I was like, man, now I got to understand. Now I need to know what lyrics resonate with you and stuff. Like I mean, I can't think of any lyrics off the top, but the, so it's, for me, it's not what he says, it's the way that he says it. Okay. So, like, like, I agree the, with like the art of the, so Andre makes me laugh, though. Like, mm. Big Boy doesn't make me laugh, but like, just, mm the cadence of the like there's another artist that i've liked a lot recently um so nf which i think i'm sure you've oh yeah like i don't really like how he basically is rage speaking every single lyric Mm, that he says so you see that yeah okay um but i understand he's hurt and broken and he's using it to process his trauma or that's what he's selling either way i don't care but i will say my son you know who has some some mental anxiety issues relates to that mm-hmm. relates to that rage mm-hmm. but for me i'm like that was a bar like did you like those okay. words that he just put together son of a gun yeah. and so like yeah. i just think big boy's better at that than okay. andre but andre's entirely yeah. more entertaining like without andre there they would have never been a thing um yeah. Yeah. but he's and they're definitely both better than jay-z so Oh. <laughs> nice. hey, here, here, here's my here's my and i didn't put this in the book here's why i felt like i had to give jay-z the crown on two things mm-hmm. and again i'm not a jay-z stand the first one this man has created so many hits across mm, that's fair right reinvent himself but here's the here's the other one that i think it's a big point when he released the single open letter you know, when he went to Cuba, you know, I turned Atlanta to Havana, Guavera shirts and bandanas, yeah. you know, and then he, he says the line, man, Obama, you don't need this anyway. You could chill with me on the beach when they going to have a press conference at the White House <laughs> to say that. All right, man, we talked to Obama. They didn't have this. <laughs> like, I go, no rapper. Every rapper talks about the president, but no rapper has had the White House. <laughs> I was like, all right, Jay-Z. All right, my man. <laughs> yeah, I um, I had a friend one time and he's a friend from high school and he'll still say this, but he just says it to be sarcastic. He's like the best rappers of all time were two live crew. And I was like, how is that possible, man? He's like, because they're the only people that 
literally made the government change the laws about the way that we listen to music. He's like, they went to the Supreme Court and because they're literally written in the Library of Congress in the Supreme Court records, they're the greatest rappers of all time. And I'm like, (laughs) whatever, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can't even argue with him because he's not talking about rap. He's talking about about trouble. (laughs) So anyway, all right, man, I'm going to go hang out with my kids. I appreciate it. Hey, man, appreciate you. We're made for each other in the image of love. You and me made for each other in the image of love. The notion of shared trauma is still foreign to me, but it makes sense. And the more that I dig into it, it makes a lot of sense for the way that a lot of people treat one another, the way that we don't hear one another, the way that we just seem to hate easily. We're scared, we're tense, we're anxious because we don't express trauma well. And I don't think as humans we ever really have, but we can recognize that and we can do it better. We can realize the mold in our lives and throw it out instead of covering it up and cutting it off for a time while it still continues to spread and fester its tentacles throughout our lives and our bodies of faith and our families and our friends and our communities. You should buy this book. like. I have a lot of authors that have written a lot of books on the show. This one is fantastic. We did not even scratch the surface. If you grew up with cheat codes like me, and you'd kind of like some, especially if you're a white guy like me, and you're trying to come to grips with a different point of view, AD's book is easily accessible, hauntingly uncomfortable, and I think that's a good spot to be. Big thanks to Remedy Drive for their music in this episode. They're amazing. Check out the links to what they've got. And I cannot wait to have you back next week. We'll talk soon. Be blessed, everyone. Shadow inside